Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, listeners. Hope you're well. You're tuned in yet again to another episode and installment of the Beautiful Game and Eurosport collaboration bringing you news, reviews, and updates from the Champions League round of fixtures. Now, of course, this week we had the second legs of the semi-finals, and we're going to dissect each of those games um, and the ties in their entirety uh, on this episode. Uh, as ever, I'm your host, Budge, and I'm joined by my faithful two co-conspirators, Dot and Dej. Gents, are we well? Very well. All Great good, stuff. all good. Can't complain. You know, two midweek. Champions League ties. So yeah, plenty to talk about. 100%. Now, of course, there is a lot for us to, to get stuck into. So we're, we're, um, we're going to get stuck right in. Um, and of course, there is no better place for us to start than the, um, <laughs> the, 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 the marquee event that was City versus PSG in, in the second leg. I mean, that game honestly gave us absolutely everything and more. Uh, certainly a game for, for the purists and, and, and lots of talking points off, off the back of that. Now, of course, the, the precursor to uh, that game is that, um, you know, in the history of the Champions League, there have been 47 instances of, of an English side winning the first leg of a two-legged knockout tie away from home. And on all 47 occasions, the English side have progressed. And, and actually, PSG have never progressed after losing the first leg of a knockout tie at home in the Champions League. And of course, you know, uh, going into that game, there was a lot of um, anxiety and, and, and people waiting with bated breath to assess the uh, fitness of, uh, of Kylian Mbappe, who, of course, missed PSG's game at the weekend uh, on Saturday against uh, Lens with, with a calf injury. And so a lot of people were waiting to see what the starting lineup would would look like. Um, and, 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 and like I said, ultimately, the game was uh, a game that was very, very eventful and very interesting. And, and, and Dot, we're going to we're going to ask you to, to share your thoughts initially uh, on this game. But before you do, the, the question that I, I wanted to start off with uh, and of course, looking back, it's, it's a bit easy to, to say, of, of, of course, uh, hindsight is always twenty twenty. But I think to, to, to a lot of people's surprise, myself included, um, the conditions were a bit uh, a bit icy, to say the least, up in Manchester. And so the first question that I wanted to ask you is, going into that game, who's 
whose game would you uh, were you expecting the conditions to stifle more? Was it PSG's, you know, uh, trying to break on a counter, or was it City's possession based game? Just prior to that game, who 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 did you expect this conditions to to favour or stifle more? Very basic answer. I think both. If I'm being totally honest, I think mm. both teams are technically sound on the ball. You know, both teams are teams that can play through spaces and break the lines. I think the conditions probably suited Manchester City a bit more off the ball because mm. there was more chances for them to press because the balls may have been a bit short or overcooked because of the conditions. But I want to go back to what you said earlier. You said a game for the purists, and I slightly disagree because PSG completely lost their minds in the second half. Ill-disciplined, terrible tackles, Di Maria getting a red card. And it goes back to the point that Pete made last week where he said Pochettino's teams, he doesn't have to rein them in. When it goes wrong, it all goes up in smoke. We saw the Tottenham-Chelsea game. We saw the first leg where they completely lost their rag. We saw yesterday where it almost looked like they were playing Sunday league football. They completely snapped. And it begs the question to me, has Pochettino been found out as a manager? Because this is a manager that when he was in England, amazing, <laughs> high press, Southampton, fantastic. When he was at Tottenham for the first few years, absolutely brilliant. The team that I enjoyed watching the most in the Premier League. And all of a sudden, his end reign at Tottenham was poor. The players started to chuck it in. PSG, there's a potential that he may not win the league. And also, he's not winning the Champions League. And we need to remember that Pochettino has been bought into PSG to win that Champions League. And they look further than ever, if we're being totally honest. Um, but going back to the Manchester City performance, I think absolutely brilliant. Um, Diaz, oh, what a defender. John Stones at the back, absolute colossus. Just rocks, blocking everything. And I've always been sceptical, you know, when it comes to Manchester City in these big European games. But I think we need to give credit to Pep Guardiola, who, in my opinion, currently is the best manager in the world because... He's going to win the Champions League or he's got to a Champions League final without playing a recognised striker. And that's special. Yeah, I have to say, I slightly, you know, disagree about the point about Pochettino. I think it's very harsh to be judging him when he just took mm -hmm. the reins at PSG. He hasn't really had time to imprint his philosophy, his style, that he's taken a group of players that he hasn't worked with, that he doesn't know. And he's literally trying to nurture them in these elite level games. But going back to the game... I think I was expecting PSG to score. And I have to say the lineup that Pochettino went with begged the question. I think Mauro Icardi, he's an inbox striker. He's the type of striker that you need to be playing in a certain type of game. And I just think going with Moise Keane would have been a better option. He's got a bit of similar characteristics. Obviously, he's no Mbappe, but he's got similar characteristics mm -hmm. in terms of speed and at times, it felt like PSG were playing with 10 men. And there was like a mm -hmm. minute in the 54th minute where Neymar was dribbling and Akadi was there. He had the option to square it off. If that was Mbappe, he definitely plays that pass. But it's almost like he looked at him and said, you know, oh, this is Akadi, I don't trust you. I'm going to risk it myself. And I think, yeah, PSG mm -hmm. showed, you know, that soft underbelly that people talk about in those high-pressure moments 
where they can't deliver or they lose their heads. But yeah, they started off the game well. First 15 minutes, they had Manchester City pinned in. But that moment where they had the penalty, that was like the turning point. After that, it's almost like Man City resetted and said, you know what, we're going to go through. We need to instill our mentality. And, you know, the, the goal was fantastic. You know, Edison's ball played into Zinchenko, the man that was agreed for the, oh, yeah. you know, the penalty. And he played it into De Bruyne. And that was a beautiful pass. He looked up. He could have just flashed it across the box. But it was a purposeful pass. And obviously, we know what happens next with um, Demar- um, with Riyad Mahrez. But I also asked the question mm. that Kim Pembe, I think he could have broken a neck for that chance. He almost just dangled out a leg. And I want to see my defender try and take the lot. But it seems like he just stood up and wasn't committed enough, in my opinion. I think just just going mm. back to what Des said um, quite a few minutes ago, it's easy to say Pochettino hasn't had the opportunity to imprint his <laughs> philosophy, but we're looking at Thomas Tuchel that's come to Chelsea and they look like a completely different team. And he's taken them into the Champions League final, playing in a way that fits his system. He's got the Chelsea players playing to their best of ability. And now we're seeing this Chelsea team as you know potential Champions League winners. But I want to go back to a point that I made last week with Zinchenko. And I said when he came on, I think he completely changed the dynamic and the flow of the game. And I think yesterday, I watched him very closely and he was just excellent. The way he manipulates the ball, the way he used the ball on the left side, he just gives Manchester City that different sort of dynamic. He's not as extravagant as a Cancelo or as pacey as a Kyle Walker, but I just think the steadiness that he brings to that position and the composure to just play simple and the right pass consistently made him get the nod over Cancelo, who we've been raving about this season. So I think it was a, it was a masterful, you know, tactical performance for Manchester City. And I think we you also have to mention <laughs> that man again, Phil Foden. I mean, what a performance. Yeah. Like, he, like, we're running out of words to say about him. We keep eulogising about his performances, but I just want to go back to 2008 because I think that was a key moment in terms of England's style of bringing through young players. There was obviously the La Masia 2008 when Spain won a major tournament and it sort of got brought into the curriculum that, listen, our players need to be comfortable with the ball. We need to be able to manipulate the ball. And I think Phil mm. Foden is sort of like an alumni of that past 10 to 12 years of different sort of coaching because he can play under any circumstance. Tight, he wants the ball, turns. I mean, that pirouette that he done, that he unleashed the shot, it's just, yeah. it's majestic, it's fearless football. But sorry to interject you, Budge. Um, you know, what, what I was actually going to say is both of you guys made very valid points, which which um, basically laid lay the foundation for my next question anyway. Um, and, you know, both of you mentioned some 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 very, very key players in, in terms of the selection, of course, Dot, you just uh, mentioned uh, Zinchenko there. And, and, and one of the, the players that I wanted to make a nod towards in that game was Fernandinho, who actually mm. turned 36 in that game yesterday, uh, uh, yesterday, right? It was his 36th birthday. And he put in a real captain's performance. Of course, we know he's, he's a master of the dark arts and, 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 and has this way of um, making professional fouls without getting carded. I don't know how he managed yeah, to, to stay on the pitch with all of those. He made right? like... Seven fouls, I was counting them. One, two. I was yeah. like, okay, the third one is going to get booked. 
And he just kept going and kept going and kept going. And the ref said, you know what? It's your birthday. I'm not going to give you a yellow card. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, it was a great performance. But I mean, the, the question that I wanted to ask you guys is, ultimately, City are in a position where, they're, they're, of course, they're, 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 they're blessed and privileged to have top-tier players in, in, in almost every single position, right? So what I'm trying to understand is, what, in, in what games do you decide to play a Fernandinho over a Rodri, say? Or, as you alluded to, Dot, in what games do you decide to play as Zinchenko over a, can, a Cancelo? You know, what, what mm. kind of things is Pep thinking about I when think, he's making selections? Yeah, I think the Zinchenko-Cancelo um, debate is a form issue. I don't think Cancelo has been in the greatest of forms recently. I mm. remember him having a bad game against Leeds. Also in the first leg, he, he was really struggling in that first half. So I think that one really picked itself because Sinchenko in the last few weeks has been, you know, playing to a very high level. In terms of the other one that you asked, I think Rodri's limitations showed in the first leg, in the first half. And I think Pep probably thought Fernandinho, he's been my go-to defensive midfielder for the past four years. He's experience he knows how to make tackles and stop transition and I think that was the biggest factor as to why Pep probably went with Fernandinho because Fernandinho knows the dark dark arts inside out he knows Mm. how to clip someone and make it look like it's not a yellow card he knows how to pull someone back and just smile at the ref and say yeah ref don't worry it's just a little one and they don't give him (laughs) yellow cards whereas Rodri he's a bit more inexperienced he doesn't know how to make those professional tackles to stop counter-attacks. So I think Fernandinho's role in the team yesterday was solely to just break up play in the middle. And if you get a yellow card, no problem. It's all part of the game plan. Mm. Mm. Fair, fair play. And um, I, I also remember a particular moment in the game where he used uh, that, those dark cards, where he used his smarts to, mm. to, 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 to a very uh, high level of success in in getting uh, Angel Di Maria uh, sent off with how he responded and reacted. And it, of course, it was a moment, it was a, it was a moment of, of, of rage and an outburst on the part of Di Maria. Um, Dej, coming to you on this one, I mean, do, do you feel at all sorry for Di Maria in, in, in how frustrated he was and, and the outburst? Or do you, or do you, do you, um, you know, are you on the side of the argument that he is a model professional? He is experienced enough to know that he should be managing those kind of situations and circumstances better. Yes, the Where latter bunch. Like it's the latter. Come on, mm-hmm. this is a Champions League semi-final. Fernandinho, an experienced pro, he knows what he's doing. And the biggest compliment I'll say is that was the sort of thing that would happen to Manchester City previously, where an experienced pro like a Ramos or someone from Real Madrid will get their opponent sent off. And Fernandinho knew what he was doing. Like, Di Maria wanted the ball and he was preventing him, just getting in his face, just provoking him a bit. He was dangling the carrot and Di Maria <laughs> bit. He gets sent off and keepers was, you know, made the correct decision sending him off because you can't be doing that. Yeah, no, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. Um, and I think, you know, I know you guys already mentioned it uh, and, 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 and alluded to it earlier, but honestly, all round, it's, it's very difficult to, um, to pick out a, a, a single man that um, stood uh, head and shoulders above the rest yesterday. 
certainly on the part of Manchester City because, you know, we saw last-ditch defending, players mm. throwing their bodies on the line. It was a real, real smart defensive performance from them. Um, and one I find also very interesting because if we look back, there's been times that Pep has been criticised in the Champions League because um, a lot of people have felt that he's overthought mm. things, right? And he's tried to complicate the tactics and his strategy a bit too much. But in 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 that game, we saw uh, a, a com- and, and to be fair, across the both legs of the tire, we saw a much more composed and and, and managed. Um, um, Manchester City side and even to some of Pep's quotes he mentioned that um, he said to, to the team look don't think too much to win a game you know manage the game well don't overdo it um, and I guess ultimately the question now still is Dej um, have, have you seen enough of City in terms of managing the crazy 10 minutes do you feel that they have what it takes to go the full way and finally see Pep and City lift that coveted Champions League um, trophy. Do you think that they, they can go all the way now? Um, whether they'll win the game, I'm not so sure because obviously two English sides, they know a lot about each other. Um, but in terms of answering, can they manage the crazy 10 minutes? You have to say yes, because their performances over the last four or five games in the Champions League I've watched them and emotionally they're stable. And it's sort of like that Thomas Edison, you know, trying 10,000 times to get the right thing. You keep learning, you keep iterating, you keep learning from your mistakes. And it seems that's what Pep has done. He's taken the feedback from his players when Gundogan said, oh, we overthought this. And he sort of said, okay, you know what? I'm going to go back to basics. I'm going to buy a player that can sort of help me and propel me to the Champions League final. And, And that's what they've done. But again, Ruben Diaz, what a player. Like, that was a throwback performance. John Terry would have been proud of that. Throwing your body yeah. in front of the line, you know, defending, mm-hmm. pointing and instructing, telling your defenders, tucking, go out. I mean, yeah, it was a top, top performance. And I would say that Pep and Manchester City have definitely learned the lessons from the previous years. Yeah, m- most definitely. And I think certainly if, if City can go all the way and lift that uh, Champions League trophy. I think there's there's always there's already been rumors and murmurs on, on social media that um you know we, we need to be talking about Diaz in the same breath as a <laughs> as a certain <laughs> Virgil van Dijk. Ooh, people have gone early man <laughs> so I know I'm gonna kind of contradict myself a little bit because I already mentioned that it's hard to pick one single player that was head and shoulders above the rest. But if you had to absolutely nail your colours to the mast, if you had to pick one player that stood out for you in that game, um, more so than anybody else, who would that player be? And Dot, we're going to go to you on this one to to kick us off. Yeah, I'm going to go with Kevin De Bruyne, I think. Just to share presence and the authority that he played with yesterday was excellent. I mean, there were some times where he was almost running in behind like a number nine. And I was thinking, wow, like, (laughs) he basically told the gaffer, anything you want, I'm going to do it for you. I'm going to run through brick walls. I'm not going to complain. I'm going to play anywhere on the pitch. And I'm Mm going to try and contribute to my team getting into a Champions League final. And if we're looking on current form, if De Bruyne has a big performance in that Champions League final, there's a potential argument to say he may be the best 
footballer in the world. So let's see what happens. What, Ballon d'Or? He's definitely in the question if he wins the Champions League mm. and the Premier League. Yeah, I, I think that that is definitely an argument in 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 his favor, most most certainly. Um, how about you, Dej? Who 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 do you pick? Who's your who's your man of the match? Um, I've mentioned him several times over the course of our our series, and Ruben Diaz, because I mm. believe he's the difference. I've said it so many times over the past few weeks. He's your type A centre back. He's the big brother. When you looked at Manchester City over previous years, they had Otamendi. They had, you know, obviously John Stones was there. These are players that need to be led and he's that leader. So I think when you look at what Manchester City have pre- um, achieved this season, he's sort of the bedrock of what they're achieving. And when you've got that stable basis of a good defence, it now allows you to go and play. It allows, you, it allows you to sit back in, soak up pressure, knowing that you can score goals. And in the Champions League in a knockout tournament, that's wild. I think very last one, I think it got to a point last night where Neymar said, you know what, taking on Kyle Walker, this not it. <laughs> <laughs> not it. I said, you know what, every time I get the ball, I'm just going to cut him. So I think we need to give a mention to Kyle Walker because he was excellent on the recovery. The semi-final tie between Chelsea and Real Madrid was, of course, played this evening. Um, and of course, Chelsea ultimately won the tie. And prior to the tie, the, the backdrop here was that Um, Real Madrid hadn't actually won away in the Champions League against the English side in their last four attempts. Um, And and in those last four attempts, they'd only scored two goals. Um, So they'd drawn drawn two and lost two um, in in, in those four attempts. And actually their last away victory um, was against in, in the Champions League was against Liverpool back in 2014. Four nil was it? When they won three three nil, they won three nil at Anfield. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna lead with you, Dej, on on this game. Um, and again, you know, before you go into how you saw it and 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 the key talking points, the, the, the initial question I wanted to ask you was. Prior to the game kicking off, when we looked at the starting 11s for both teams, we saw, I, I mean, I, I, of course, naturally, um, uh, Real Madrid with players coming back from injury, your players like Ferlan Mendy, Sergio Ramos, um, Eden Hazard, all starting, no real surprises there. But one thing that I saw quite interesting and, and found quite surprising was the fact that uh, Tuchel, Thomas Tuchel made a huge call to drop Pulisic in favour of Havertz, especially after Pulisic scored that goal in the first leg. Um, so I guess the first question I wanted to ask is, can could, could you see and understand the reasoning there? What exactly was Tuchel trying to do in, in playing uh, and starting with Havertz over uh, Christian Pulisic? Um, I think he was looking for more control. I think, Towards the end of the first leg, we saw him bring on Havertz and he sort of controlled the tempo. This was a game, let's not forget, that Chelsea didn't have to win. And I think Tuchel probably saw, you know what, we might need to go later on in this game so I can bring on Pulisic to stretch the defence. So I think that was sort of his thinking and he was right because that sort of ended up what ended up happening in the game. You know, mm-hmm. Pulisic setting up Mason Mount. So I think that was the mentality and the thinking behind that rather than have Werner and Pulisic run into their tyres to the 60th, 70th minute, he wanted to sort of go like a halfway house and say, you know what, 
I don't need to hedge all of my bets. Let's see how the game goes. Then if I need to react and change something, I'll tweak it. Fair, fair play. When can we debate that Florentino is spending 90 million euros <laughs> on Eddie Hazard? <laughs> it's possibly the worst decision he's come to after forming the European Super League because... <laughs> I looked at Eden Hazard today and he looked like he was done. This is a player that doesn't mind being okay. He used to be a world-class player. He used to be one of the best footballers in the world. But now, when I watch him, he's one-paced. Was trying to take on his defender, Aspilicueta. Didn't really get any change out of him. And it's almost like he's just settled for for where he's at. Okay, I'm going to earn my money. Yeah, I've, I've been a top player, but it is what it is. I, I just get on with it. And I, I'm very disappointed with Hazard because when he made that move to Real Madrid, I always questioned his mentality. Is he that go-getter? Is he that player that wants to go to the next level? Is he that player that wants to win Ballon d'Ors and be that best player in the world and dominate, you know, European football, dominate international football with Belgium? And it seems like it's all fallen apart since he's moved to Real Madrid. And just to, just to speak on Real Madrid's performance, I think they were playing a game and it wasn't football. It was basically, how can we be badder than last week? And they managed it. <laughs> so, yeah. With regards to Hazard, I'm just going to throw in a caveat. Obviously, he has been injured. Um, I think he was just coming back from injury in the first leg. So yeah. we can't judge him, you know, solely on what we saw today, even though I agree that the performance was tepid. You know, he wasn't as press resistant. Like when I think of Eden Hazard, I think of that game against Liverpool away in the Carabao Cup when he was just dribbling. That's what I wanted to see today. And we spoke last week about Real Madrid being a team that if they're going to score a goal, it's going to be via mistake, via corner, via free kick. And when you see Eden Hazard in that team, you sort of think, okay, he can be a difference maker. He can provide the magic if Benzema can't. So I thought, yeah, Real Madrid played legends football. Like, I think, how are you going to win the game? Like, you've got Ramos, you've got Marcelo, you've got Cruz, Modric. These are players that are going to go into the Footballing Hall of Fame. But other than that, it's just a mismatch of, you know, sort of averageness. And, you know, they're waiting to be put out of their misery in that game. That second half, you know, the way Ramos was being turned, it, it didn't feel at times like the semi-final of the Champions League. Like mm. Chelsea were running riot. If not for some better finishing, this could have been 5-6-0. And that's not even an over-exaggeration, you know. They're really you... one-paced. Like when you mm. watch Real Madrid, they play at one tempo and they can't up the tempo. And I said mm. it. When it was Liverpool versus Real Madrid, the way I expected the game to pan out, I expected Liverpool to be too aggressive, too powerful, too energetic for this Real Madrid team. And you can see, once you put them on the back foot, they can't really respond. That midfield of Cruz, Casemiro and... Modric. There's no dynam dynamic nature yeah. from any of them. None of them can make a burst or a third man run into the box. We saw it once in the game and that was Casemiro when Cruz played a vertical pass through the lines. But it was the wrong man to be running onto that pass. And as Dead said, if Benzema doesn't come up with magic or wonderful first touch to set up someone, I, I can't see where their goals are coming from. And we say 
Real Madrid, you know, one of the greatest teams of, of this era. But this team needs serious, serious refurbishment because right now they're not they're not good enough. <laughs> so I've got a question for you, Dot, and I've got a question for you, Dej. Um, Dej, my question to you, we're gonna we're gonna uh, I, I'm just letting you know the question now. We're gonna start off with Dot though. My question to you, Dej, is uh, and last question on Eden Hazard. Would it have made any difference if rather than starting that game, he came on as a sub and perhaps uh, Zidane um, started with Asensio? That, that's my question to you. And, and Dot, my question to you is, you, you make a valid point about um, the midfield in Real Madrid lacking dynamism. And, and we saw it was basically like chalk and cheese in terms of their midfield and Chelsea's midfield because you've got Mason Mount, you've got... Uh, Kante from uh, from Chelsea who are just bombing forward and, and, and making those runs into the box. And of course, Real Madrid don't have uh, a player like that. Um, can, can you, off the top of your head, think of, now we're talking about refurbishment and then potentially needing to, to strengthen in that area. Can you think of a player currently in Europe that could fit in well in, in terms of bringing that different element into that Real Madrid midfield? I know I'm yeah. putting you on the spot a little bit, but... No, definitely. Um, the player dominated them over the two legs, and it is Conte. He will be the perfect sort of midfielder for Real Madrid to give them that energy, to give them that presence in midfield. And I have to hold my hands up because I'm one of the critics that said, you know, Angola Conte, he's not at his best anymore. He looks like he's past it. He's picking up a lot of injuries. But in the last three months, he's been rejuvenized. He's been excellent. He's been leading that Chelsea midfield and delivering world-class performances on a weekly basis. And I think today he was on another level to anyone on the pitch. I think just the way he was winning his 50-50s, when you're winning those battles, it just defeats the opposition. It deflates them. There was one time he won a tackle and the Panthers are done on the side. And Zidane was just like, you know what? This game's gone. Forget it. Zidane was clapping. (laughs) All he kept doing it again. I was thinking, why is he clapping? (laughs) No. Oh gosh, fair, fair enough, fair play. Um, okay, Dej, yeah. So com- coming back to you now on on that Eden Hazard um, question, what does it change? Would it have changed anything, or do you think it was it, you know, whatever happened? It was it was going to be the same outcome. He, he wasn't going to have much of an impact. Um, I think whatever happened would have been the same outcome because I've seen mm. enough of Real Madrid over the past four games the Liverpool games included that. Yeah, they just don't have it in them. There's something missing. There's a spark, energy. Obviously, I get your point in saying that Eden Hazard, maybe 20, 30 minutes, he would have been sharper and stuff. But from what I saw from him in the first 20, 30 minutes of this game, he does. he's not fully fit. And it looks like there's a fitness problem throughout the club. And I remember before this tie, Udain came out and said, this team is at its physical you know, maximum after Vasquez mm. got injured. And... I think we saw that they just totally fell apart in that second half and Chelsea were just running in, running riot. And yeah, I don't think much of the change that, to be honest, because Eden Hazard, from what we've seen in his Real Madrid spell, he's not the same player that left Chelsea, the same world-class elite level player. And obviously we talk about injuries, people question his mentality, whether he's just, you know, happy to just be there. Wow, I played for Real Madrid. I've achieved my goal. Rather than, okay, I want to win the Ballon d'Or now. and You've got to question that. And I think a lot of people are quick to say, oh, he's been injured. 
But what I always say is that being available is the most underrated commodity in football. And that's what separates players that may have a good career to players that have great careers. Okay, thank you very much, gents. Before we wrap things up, I think it's only right that we have a very short preview um, ahead of, of, of the Champions League final. Now that we know it's going to be a, an all-English final, we know there's that added incentive. Um, you know, we, we, we heard Rio Ferdinand and all the other pundits speaking about how there is that, that little extra in, in, in a final when we know, you know, it's going to, it's going to be an all-English one. Um, and so looking ahead uh, at that game and also given the fact that both these teams are going to be playing each other mm-hmm. in the Premier League this come weekend, this coming weekend, how, how how do you see things going? Because I, I I anticipate a little uh, a, a, a little bit of mind games, you know. Maybe this this game at the weekend is going to be a uh, perhaps not as as exciting as, as as typically it would be, um, because maybe you know managers don't want to overplay their hand; mm. they want to be a bit more coy and cautious and whatnot. But but yeah, I mean, going into going into that final. Who do you feel has has the edge and, and what are you going to be looking out for in particular? Um, to be honest, I feel this is probably the worst result for Pep Guardiola. I think he would have wanted to come up against this Real Madrid team. When there's two English teams playing, there's no secrets. They know how Kevin De Bruyne plays. They've played against Phil Foden a couple of weeks ago. So everyone knows each other's secrets. And... Obviously, on paper, we have to say Manchester City are favourites. They've dominated England throughout the past few years. But Chelsea, I like them. I like the role they're playing. Dark horses. Tuchel's very competitive in those big games. You know, he beat Manchester City a few weeks ago. He's gone to Anfield. He's got these results. Chelsea have only conceded in like five of the 24 games um, under Tuchel. So I would probably prefer to be in the Chelsea dressing room. When Tuchel came to the club, the expectation was just, can we get into the top four? What he's managed to do is, they look like they're going to get the top four, FA Cup final, Champions League final. And one thing that is difficult to get in football is momentum. These players, they're playing for Tuchel. If he asks the players to jump high, they're asking how high. And when you've got players in that sort of realm, that sort of momentum, it's difficult to stop. So if I was going to back a team, I'd probably say Chelsea. Very interesting. And, and and how about you, Dot? Do you think that this final is going to live up to expectation? Do you think potentially it could end up being a, a bit of a, a bit of a stinker, uh, like, like Liverpool versus... <laughs> it's actually funny that you say that because that's basically the game that I was going to reference to potentially reference this game. Mm. Um going to be a tight match these Champions League finals is going to be very very cagey I think it's going to be nil nil first half I think whoever shows their hand first the next manager will react I think we need to give credit to Thomas Tuchel because I think he's done excellent at Chelsea so far we saw you know Frank Lampard's team conceding a lorry load of goals under his tutelage Thomas Tuchel's come in he's reintegrated Rudiger at centre-back and he was almost like that Ruben Diaz figure today. But going back to the to the matchup, I think it is going to really be a tight, cagey affair with two 
managers that are not going to be too offensive. I think both managers will stick to their principles. They'll both press the game. They'll both try to manipulate possession. But I think Thomas Tuchel may have the secret to worry Pep Guardiola. And I think Pep Guardiola is going to be very wary about that. So I see it being a tight match and I don't see there being more than two goals in this final. So who do you think is going to win? I think it's going to go extra time. Yeah, so who do you think is going to win? <laughs> <laughs> don't you try to be clever, yeah? <laughs> on the <laughs> You know what? Let me change the question. Who do you want to win? Who would you prefer with? It's been a really dark day for me when it comes to football. <laughs> it really has. And I think if Arsenal and Manchester United make the Europa League final tomorrow, then it's probably the worst week I've experienced <laughs> in the last few years when it comes to football. Who do I want to win? Chelsea. Because they have Champions League pedigree. They've won a Champions League before. And if they get their second one, well done. It's a great story for Thomas Tuchel. A lot of people say, oh, I've got a gender against Manchester City. No, that's not it. Whoever wins, the best team will win on the day. And if Manchester City win, fair play to Pep Guardiola. And he will arguably go down as the greatest manager of all time. I would want... I want Pep to win it because this is... <laughs> This is like last, not last chance saloon, but he will not get a better opportunity to do this. Yeah. And I think he sort of came to England, he's conquered everything. And this is sort of the final black mark against his name for Manchester City. So to win this, this will mean a lot to him because people said, oh, you can only win the Champions League with Messi. He's been <laughs> in charge of great Bayern Munich teams. So I think this will sort of be the final sort of black mark on his name to get across the line. So I think, yeah. Manchester City. Because Thomas Tuchel, he can come again. He's not expected to win this. This is his yeah. first half a season. He's got a project going on. So if you win it now, that sort of puts a lot of pressure on the rest of your reign kind of mm. thing. So I think Pep needs to win it. I think the, the one dynamic I would like to see is how would Manchester City and Pep Guardiola recover? Because there's one thing getting knocked out in the last 16, getting knocked out in the quarterfinals, losing over two legs in the semifinals. But going to the final and coming out as second best, how do you recover? How do you come back next season? How do you mm. go again? There's so many questions that need to be answered and I can't wait to see what happens in the final. Mm. Is, 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 it, is it that much more uh, of an interesting point that you want to explore because of the fact that Liverpool have done it? Is, is that part of Oh, who do you think is going to win? You, you you never get to answer it. But who, <laughs> who do I think is going to win? So who I think is going to win and who I want to win are two different uh, things. Okay. I actually want City to win because I want Pep to lift that um, that uh, you know big ears. I want I want him to I want him <laughs> yeah. to, to to get that Champions League and and finally wave off this hoodoo about. Oh. Him not being able to win it without uh, Messi. I think also it is a lovely send-off present for Sergio Aguero, who's been uh, a, a, a brilliant servant to the club for, for all the time that he's spent now. I think it is a brilliant send-off. Um, but my gut feel is that Chelsea are going to do it. Mm. I just think that Tuchel is... I think he, he has got a secret ingredient 
when it comes to when it comes to Pep. And I think Pep is also very the, the chances of Pep overthinking things and trying to, you know, we, we've seen him do it before. You know, I, mm. I, I can see him reverting to type and him trying to be too t- uh, technical and, and trying to, to manage the, the game a bit too much, which ultimately will be his undoing. And especially because of the fact that really the onus and the pressure is on Manchester City. Yeah. But for, for Chelsea, it, let's have it right. Tuchel has really overachieved mm. given... All, all things considered this season, right? He wasn't expected yeah. to get to the Champions League final. He wasn't expected to do as well as he's done. He's turned around the club's fortunes in, you know, in, in, the, in the short time that he's been there. So, you know, it, for, for them, it's, it's, it, it, there's no real pressure for, for Chelsea. And I think all of those things are, are components which make it more likely that they might just edge it. But I, I, wa- I want Pep to win it, man. I want Pep and City so, to win it. Man. Sorry, but I know we're trying to round out, but very, very quick point out. I want to go back to the Liverpool-Tottenham final and it's interesting because the Tottenham final, I never ever thought Tottenham were capable of winning the Champions League. I think they were just there for the occasion to be runners-up. I think their Champions League final was that historic night versus Ajax. But I think Chelsea is different. They may not be as good as Manchester City, but Thomas Tuchel will back his players to pull off an upset. And I get that Rafa Benitez feel to Tuchel. He's going to go there. He's going to be pragmatic. He's going to be solid at the back. And he's going to try and pull off a shock. And I think he may do it. But we've got to wait and see. It's going to be very, 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 very interesting, man. Um, so, of course, we're, we're in the interest of time. We're going, to, we're going to round up and leave it there. Thank you very much, gents, for sharing your thoughts and views of, of the, you know, the... Um, uh, second legs of those semi-final matchups, and of course uh, the 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 um, preview of the the final. Of course, we're gonna we're gonna be back here again once that final has been played and and review and analyze and talk uh, about all of the key points from from that game. But until uh, until then, we're gonna leave it there. Thank you very much, listeners, for tuning in up until this point. We're gonna catch you on the next installment of this collaboration. Until then, over and out. 